Welcome back to the Red Dove Podcast. I'm the host, and tonight I'm joined by my co-host, Blue. Hi, Blue. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you? How's your week been? What's it's going? It's been good. It's been really good. Um, so I've been practicing, because like, okay, we got first episode out of the way. In jitters. the yes. Done. Exciting, right? So those jitters are going. Are they? I think they are. I think they are. They're not. Not for me. They're not, but they're kind of like, I feel like, all right, we're getting to the good stuff. And I was thinking while I was driving, I'm like, I guess our listeners are thinking if they were nervous during the first episode and it was hate monger, (laughs) it's about to get real. (laughs) It's about to get pretty real. So along with that, I also was thinking about how, like, I'm excited about this because you said to me that you wanted to hear what I had to say. And this is for any young girl of any color, black, brown, white, um, let's say whatever else, whoever you are. This is, yes, for everyone. All is Yes, all women. This is for you. When it comes down to who you are, right? So I thought about this opportunity to speak. I felt like as a child, I was always told that what you had to say was like too much or what I had to say was too much. But I'm learning as I grow that everything that you have to say or that you have to contribute is important. But behind the importance is how you deliver it. And as long as you do it with love, there's no reason that you don't add value through your words, through your speech and who you are. So even with listening to the topics that we're discussing, listen to our conversations, like be kind to yourself, love yourself, and then love the next person. And through that application, the best will present itself. Finger snaps. If this was a poetry night, I'm. Thank you so much. So it sounds like a good week. Great week. Great week. Can't complain. Like thinking about self and. Trying to do the right thing, trying to be the best me I can be for other people. Where am I at? Tonight we're uh, talking about what is intersectional feminism. And the source material for this episode is Kimberly Crenshaw's Demarginalizing the Intersection of Race and Sex, a Black Feminist Critique of Anti-Discrimination Doctrine, Feminist Theory, and Anti-Racist Politics. Mm. And we also, uh, another source is from uh, the the Vox, VOX.com. We'll put the article up for you to read it. Because again, this was, I remember this course in college. This is a, this is a whole well, not just college course, you know, we, we could go on for years, literally. Life course. Uh, but it's Kimberly Crenshaw. She, uh, she has, gosh, 15 books. Wow. And uh, she has a new book coming out in 2021. So to answer the question, what is intersectional feminism? The answer is read... The Body of Work by Kimberly Crenshaw. Good night, everybody. That's it. That's all. That's the See whole ya. podcast. No, but um, this tonight is an attempt to provide 
an overview of what, to answer the question, what is intersectional feminism? The real answer is reading Kimberly Crenshaw's books. Uh, we, we watched some of her YouTubes recently. She's um, the woman that coined the phrase, the hashtag, say her name. Yep. So it's out there. It's available free. And that is where the true answer is going to lie. But tonight is an attempt of an overview. So let's begin. Like I said, Kimberly Crenshaw is who you need to go to to understand what intersectionality is. Um, she has a body of work over the past 30 years on race and civil rights. Uh, she's a 60-year-old Ohio native who spent more than 30 years studying civil rights, race, and racism. A graduate of Cornell University, Harvard, and the University of Wisconsin, Crenshaw has focused uh, much of her research on the concept of critical race theory. That emerged in the 80s and the 90s. A group of legal scholars, Crenshaw included, it was in response to what seemed to Crenshaw and her colleagues like a false consensus. Discrimination and racism in the law were irrational. And that this is Ms. Crenshaw, that once the irrational distortions of bias were removed, the underlying legal and socioeconomic order would revert to a neutral, benign state of impersonally apportioned justice, mm. end quote. <clears throat> it's funny that I learned about her at, in college and not in law school, isn't it? It's it not is. funny. Yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> uh, and we get into this more, but... So, Ms. Crenshaw, in 1989, published a work, and she argued that a delusion as comforting as it was dangerous. She didn't believe racism ceased to exist in 1965 with the passage of the Civil Rights Act, nor that racism was a mere multi-century aberration that once corrected through legislative action would no longer impact the law or the people who rely upon it. There was no, uh, quote, rationale, explanation for the racial wealth gap that existed in 1982 and persists today, 2020, or uh, for minority underrepresentation in spaces that were purportedly based on, quote, colorblind, end quote, standards. Mm. Uh, rather, as Crenshaw wrote, discrimination remains because of the, quote, stubborn endurance of the structures of white dominance, end quotes. So um, to pull it out, Professor Crenshaw, she is a law professor mm -hmm. now, when she was a lawyer, that was like, I would say, like the thesis of what sure. her article was trying to lay out, because it's a lot to unpack. Um, before she started making these arguments, there wasn't much criticism describing the way the structures of law and society could be intrinsically racist. Uh, rather, it was simply distorted by racism while otherwise untainted with its stain. So there weren't many tools for understanding how race worked in right. those institutions. Right. So that's why it's huge that when she came out with this, the beginning was this article, and then it, it went from there. This has never been discussed in the legal community yet. 
but her uh, paper centers on three legal cases that dealt with the issues of both racial discrimination and sex discrimination. In each case, Crenshaw argued that the court's narrow view of discrimination was a prime example of the, quote, conceptual limitations of single-issue analysis regarding how the law considers both racism and sexism. In other words, the law seemed to forget that black women are both black and female and, then, and thus subject to discrimination on the basis of both race, gender, and often a combination of the two. Wow. Intersectionalism. Right, right. People were keeping it as separate issues that never overlap. Right. And by doing that, you're not looking at the issues of what a black woman right. is facing. Right. And it's, with situations like that, it is not as easy to compartmentalize. And it's not necessarily like, really even, like whatever data or assessment you create based off of separation of who that person is, mm-hmm. is not applicable because you're not considering the whole individual. Exactly. That's, yeah, Crenshaw, she argued in her paper that by treating black women as purely women or purely black, the courts, uh, as they did in 1976, have repeatedly ignored specific challenges that face black women as a group. Sure. This is her quote. Intersectionality was a prism to bring to light dynamics within discrimination Oh, sorry, within discrimination law that weren't being appreciated by the courts. In particular, courts seemed to think that race discrimination was what happened to all black people across gender and sex discrimination was what happened to all (coughs) women. And if that is your framework, what happens to black women and other women of color is going to be difficult to see. Definitely. Well said. So presently, uh, Ms. Crenshaw, Crenshaw is a law professor at Columbia Law School. And I said at the top, she coined the hashtag, say her name. And quote, if you say her name, you're prompted to learn their story. And if you know the story, then you have a broader sense of all the ways black bodies are made vulnerable to police violence. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, you have to know the person, right? Mm -hmm. And even with the conversation that we had on the first episode, we talked about listening. And a part of this podcast is having to listen to understand and then apply. And then feminism and being a feminist, you are considering all women. And when you're saying that, well, feminine, feminism this or, well, women that, you're, you're talking about if you're white and you're saying that, Ask yourself, am I just really talking about white women? Am I even taking into consideration or hearing the stories? So, modern times, and people have changed or expanded the concept of what Ms. Crenshaw started out today. There's a very famous article. Well, now it's 2011. Tiger beat down. Mm-hmm. By Flavia Dissoudan. Great pronunciation of her name. 
and it's called My Feminism Will Be Intersectional. And the, I came across it in a problematic way. Problematic because there was a meme that had her now, now famous quote, my feminism will be intersectional or it will be bullshit. And there is an, another article on Vox.com. We'll put a link out to it. Uh, and it, it really breaks it down very thoroughly. But just to say that that meme is problematic, one, uh, Flavia did not get any profit. Like other people have profited mm. off of her work. So it's wow. stealing. Definitely. It's a shame. Uh, not respecting her, and that, that that was her work. Also distorting what her article was trying to express. It, in Flavia's words, to see her her quote in pink letter font with like a Dutch blonde girl. It erased the message that Flavia was really talking about, it was basically, it was taking one line out of an entire work. Right. And the effect of that was to do exactly the opposite. Intersectional feminism today is described as, um, uh, I guess it's described as like, you're not just concerned with white women equality as there's a whole episode, the original Karen, right? Elizabeth Cady Stanton, but um, <laughs> you're not you're not just concerned with women equality. You're advocating for all different marginalized identities. There's a lot of critique on, I'll call it white feminism, sure. white or white women, white women that are feminists or that call themselves feminists. But what do they mean when they say that? Because if they say they're a feminist and they only are concerned and advocating for white women's issues, then there is another subset of the population of women that would say that's bullshit. Right. And maybe we we should go into it another day, but there, there's, we'll put the link out for the Vox article because that meme, it's a representation of stealing Flavia's work. Definitely. I think the other thing is, which is so ironic. <laughs> it's really, really crazy. The other thing is, as you write about that, two words came to mind. Inclusion and selflessness, right? And as we think about the transitions that we are now making with our thought process, like I like to break things down to simple terms. If you're not all-inclusive, don't even give yourself the label of a feminist because you still are thinking of self before the next woman. If you're not selfless, then don't commit to the fight because you're not committed. Rachel Cargyle's article in Bazaar, when, oh, I don't have it in front of me. It's when white feminism is, or no, when white women are white supremacy in heels. Sure. If what we're saying is confusing or if this is the first time you're hearing it, and we're going to do a whole episode on that article. So stay tuned. Definitely. But Stick around. Flavia in the actual article, because I think the meme reduces and leaves out so much of what Flavia was expressing. So I wanted to just pull uh, one of my favorite quotes from the article itself, which again, I will put out the link. 
Tiger Beatdown website to read it. But Flavia said, you cannot claim to want to provide safety for women while you are letting, quote, some women be racially attacked. Because if you do that, you are a fucking hypocrite and you should just go ahead and say it. Quote, we want to provide safety just for some of us, while the rest, the brown, battered bodies of black women are called names. Yep. Yep. I love that. And that expresses a thousand million thoughts in my head in one sentence. It's the truth. I mean, and where the heck that you are claiming? Like, she's calling you out. If you're about something... Don't put on the head of feminism. Say that this is like, this is what you're into and this is what you're about. I only want this for myself. Like, and that's what I'm asking people. Same thing you're saying with white women. Consider what you're saying. Consider what your intentions are. Consider what your motives are. If you are not all inclusive, be about it then. Like, stand behind it. And don't be surprised when people question or comment or directly have a problem and want to address it with you. Not also everything that I say when it comes to black or brown issues, I am, if I'm not quoting a black or brown feminist, I am saying, I learned this from so-and-so. I read this sure. book. I recommend you read this book. That's, um again, another thing that I learned from black and brown women, as a white person, you do not say this is how they feel or this is what they think. Um, if you're quoting an article written by a white person, you're wrong. What, be willing to listen. That's the number one thing that Blue and I see, white women being called out or be politely, whatever it is, it's that they're being said that's problematic or what you said is racist. In a million ways it can come down. And sure. Too often we see white women being very defensive. And when you're doing that, you're not listening. This isn't about you. I think that's a huge... Sure. <laughs> what is intersectional feminism? It's not about you, white women. It's too... In the history of what, quote-unquote, the word feminism, we'll do a whole episode. Susan B. Anthony is what I call the original Karen. <laughs> in a, we're going to get into it. But in a nutshell, she turned her back on black women feminists fighting for the right to vote to get the right to vote for just white women. Okay, so Ms. Crenshaw's, uh, her upcoming book is called Blackness at the Intersection. Uh, it's expected to come out on in 2021, so check it out. I think in like present day, if you're white and you're calling yourself a feminist and you are advocating for black lives, whether you're going to a protest or have you, one of the largest critiques and it's like as like a white woman seeing other white women that are saying they're feminists do these things, it's like cringeworthy. And so part of like the Red Dove is like trying to spread knowledge for free that we have learned from black leaders, black feminists. And one of like the, the crucial missteps that we always see is um, what's called centering. Mm -hmm. 
And it's so when white feminists are protesting uh, a movement for black lives, they're taking the attention away and putting it on themselves. An example, there is an article on theroot.com published July 20th, and it's called Behold White People <laughs> by Michael Harriet. But so I posted this, and there were so many, like, white... Because I was saying that the author was discussing um, in Portland, Oregon, the protests, the Black Lives Matter protests. There was a white woman, I'll show you the picture, who um, was naked and uh, sitting down on the sidewalk in the street, in the middle of the street, and there's all these cop cars behind her, and she's like, she's naked and like spread eagle. And the critique um, by like Black Lives matter movement or black thought and as part of being a white woman if you're saying you're being a feminist is to study and to learn and to listen sure number one advice listen yes shut up don't listen you don't know you're not the expert and then this article the author said there's absolutely nothing wrong with what this lady did but why does she feel the need to transform a protest movement centered around black lives into a stage for her, what, whatever the fuck she was trying to say. <laughs> Literally. Even when they aren't weaponizing their privilege, they will find a way to make the shit about them. So that is, like, really great advice if you are white and you're a feminist and you're protesting. Like, well, not that many of us are naked in protest. Right, right, <laughs> right. The, Sometimes, <laughs> some of us. It's the idea that... Um, it's the what I learned from a black feminist microaggressions right that you see in the north and in, in America where it's you're you might not be um flamboyant with your racism like the um like in the south you see the confederate yes. flag and they say the n word right. generally speaking right um the direct mm-hmm. just insult in the north black feminist taught me the feeling and the experience is microaggressions. So yes. it's, the, it's the your ignorance, your prejudice, coupled with the fact that you are white, is racism. So it's it's not it doesn't manifest itself in the same way sure. necessarily all the time. Sure. In the north versus in the south. But um, I posted that, and I said to to white people. Um, to just be mindful and don't center yourselves. And I spelled white, V-V-H-I-T-E, as opposed to W-H-I-T-E, which I was taught by a friend of the show, Palomia. Shout out to Palomia. Hey. (laughs) So um, that there is an algorithm on Facebook that censors the thought, the words, um of black and brown people and also if because it's a computer it's not a person so if there's words like spelling white the correct way it will censor it and on the reverse again white supremacy on the reverse end the algorithm would not censor racial words statements thoughts directed at black and brown people deep so very deep. I mean I this is all I 
was taught this, learned this, I heard this from black and brown feminists, people. This is not, this, I'm sharing this to the Red Doves audience. This is not a, my original thought. Which is telling you that it's bigger than you. And that's why we all have to take a selfless approach and think about the next woman, like, bigger than you. Intersectional. Yes, intersectional. But what was funny was that white people that responded, and again, screenshots, right? Because, right, we looked this up, right, and he deleted it. Insane, because you know you were wrong, and that's my whole thing when it comes down to unintentional, right? So even what you just discussed regarding how racism, microaggression was different in the north, like sometimes does it really though? Own who you are, because if you're doing it, like even the woman who wanted to sit out and be naked, why? Ask yourself why. That's always. That should be the first question. Why? As a white person, I say, did I think this idea, did I learn this from a white person or a black person? Black, And I uh, looked for the answers reading black feminists. That's my advice to white feminists. But the, um, the reactions, they made me laugh because, and it's always white cis males, I must say. I'm a very limited pool of... Uh, you know, this study isn't official, but it's just for like, <laughs> if you want to say 10 interactions in my lifetime, I'd say eight of them were with white cis males, wow. just as like a ratio thing. So, and like, so they, so we didn't talk about the heart of the article and what it was saying. They took issue with that. I spelled the word white in their words incorrectly. Because of the, I spelled it V V H I T E, so that the uh, evil Facebook algorithm would not censor my post. So I spend this time. Um, and if you are a white feminist, another bit of advice that I learned from black and brown feminists and people: source your shit. Definitely. And it make sure it is yep. written by, I. My personal opinion, ideally a black feminist, but a black or brown person, number one. So he's arguing, and what I mean by that is he's arguing with me that it's not a real thing, that the Facebook algorithm, what I just said, was not true. Right. So, and like, uh, a tip, always be polite starting out when, you, when you're dealing with someone that's like you speaking rudely or just aggressively towards me. Sure. Like, cause uh, it's bigger than you. It is. So I want to get out the knowledge. I'm not, you know, if somebody else wants to say, "Hey, you're being an asshole," like that's that. But that is again, I'm not gonna make it about how you're treating me because right. I'm white. I'm a white cis female. So if I start complaining about how you're treating me, I have just made the whole thing about me. Sure. And not. The bigger problem is that Facebook has a racist algorithm right. that censors black and brown right. thought, or if if uh, white people, if the algorithm determines it's being um, negative towards white people, it's censored. You go to f what's called Facebook jail. Right. Yep. Censoring word, censoring thought. So, I, so that's why I engaged because I said, here's an opportunity, and it's not just for him. It's the Countless yep. other people that are going to read this yep. exchange, and that's why we were laughing that he deleted it. Yes. <laughs> and that's why we take screenshots, so that we can talk about it on here. Yep. But, 
uh, he, so on and on. And then eventually, and I, and I, in those situations with people that are just like screaming at you or whatever, they're not going to believe you. I just leave like articles written by black or brown people, um, with like more scientific, like I think there was something in Forbes that discussed this, Mm -hmm. like it's not a debate, buddy. Right. You just didn't know about it. Sure. And like, you're coming in like a know-it-all and you're being rude, number one, but who cares? Actually, number like a hundred, that's number a hundred, but you, but like, here's a tip. Like if you're, uh, if you're called out or you don't know something and you're, I'm talking to the white people, be willing to listen. I myself have been on the receiving end of that. <laughs> and I, and there was like a bunch of white uh, cis females uh, attacked words that I said and accused me of being racist. And at first I like sat back and watched and I was like, look at all these white girls. I thought they were wrong. And I called Shonda, I called my sister-in-law and I said, look at these white, these white girls are saying that what I'm saying is racist, but they just don't know. And then Shonda politely explained to me how wrong I was. Right. So, um, so in that situation, it's like I wasn't attack. I wasn't responding to like, like defending myself. Like if you called me a name, I'm like I'm not that. Right. No. So I said, um, like I sat back and like read it, and I responded to the black or brown women that were calling me out, not the white ones. Right. And I said. Um, and then I explained what I did, how I, like, talked to black people, black women and men, and then I learned what I did was wrong, and that here are the actions or here are the steps I took to correct it. Um, and also, thank you. That's huge. How about you say thank you? Thank you for teaching me something. I didn't know. Thank you. I, didn't, I never knew that before. I'm sorry. It's just so that's what we see all the time, right. though, and I hope that after listening to us that perhaps you can avoid those what we like to call newbie mistakes Mm -hmm. like you just woke up the other day and and learned that cops are killing black people right so like for those folks um if if you listen and educate yourself from black and brown leaders in the field you can avoid a lot of racial interaction and harm Yep. Because when you're saying these things you're, you and black and brown people are reading it, it's really harmful, which is another reason why we are trying and talking about this on the podcast is to spread knowledge and to, um, oh, I don't know, destroy white per- supremacy. Right. No big deal. Right. Educate people. Yes. Overcome. So that was a big waste of time, like. You, you could save a lot of time if you weren't just like keep arguing. Like, did you read the article that I sent you? Like, I'm trying sure. to be nice and educate, not judge. Um, and the other one, they were just very confused. There's a lot of comments. They were very confused. My favorite was a white cis male when he was like, what the fuck is this article talking about? Da, 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 da. And then he's like, because this is our movement. What? Yeah, Black Lives Matter. He's white cis male. And it's like, boy, I don't even, I can just sit back and like, because there you go. That's what it's about. It's I, not your What the hell? Like, what are you? <laughs> I don't even understand because it's literally delusional. 
Like, it's crazy. That's the other reason why it's like, do not feed certain things that are not, like, if that's not what you're going for, if you're acting in love, as we talked about initially, if that is your intention, don't even feed that nonsense, because that's a fool. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I have, like, uh, panic anxiety disorder, and I wouldn't really respond, or I wouldn't even post anything. Or I would, like, just curse them out and just be very rude, like, up front. That's what I mean. Start right. out nice. Start out <laughs> nice, but don't be a pushover. Yeah. So, but I said, and again, it's, like, less is more sometimes. So here's, like, anti-racism. Like, when someone says that to you, that they'll, they'll say, like, a hundred words on and on, rambling. They say that, like, our movement, all I responded was, like, um, so and so, it's not quote our parentheses white. I spelled it V V H I T E movement. <laughs> it's like that's it. It's like boom right there. Right. That's what this article is about. Right. Is that white people coming into Black Lives Matter movements rallies and centering it? The fact that you white cis male called it our movement is what I'm talking about. It's not our movement. Right. Right. That's so creepy. The one the Black Lives Matter chapter in our area where we live um kicked out or does does not allow white membership because there was white people coming to the meetings and taking over <laughs> saying what the protests what needs to be done yes they know better than we know they can tell us that is literally the problem ding 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 <laughs> ding 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 <laughs> Like, what is intersectional feminism? It's not that. Right, right, right. It's, and that behavior, in my opinion, is a product of living in America with white supremacy. Definitely. The fact that you feel justified to act that way. And the fact that you feel, like, alone in that. Like, for example, for me, growing up as a black cis female... I have been taught in, in all experiences to consider other people, other races, other cultures, other ethnicities, other nationalities, and that is the problem in itself. As a white person, woman, and or man that chooses to act as though you are the only person that matters or exists, like that's the issue. That, and that's a human, like, defect, in my opinion. A white cis female commented, I didn't understand what the article is about. And so through, like, a series of discussions, I said, like, the problem is, and this is, again, another black journalist uh, reported on this, and we'll link the articles that we're mentioning tonight. Well, not the woman naked. Another example, they call themselves, like, the moms, I believe. Yes. And I was, I suppose, arguing because they would not, like, they were arguing with me. I'm like, I'm not arguing with you. I'm telling you that's what the journalist was saying. Right. Like, you can't argue, you know. But they, they were like, no, 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 they're for the movement. It's not centering. And the journal, the journalist had said, these women were chanting something like, back up, feds, the moms are here. And um, no one could understand what was wrong with that. What's wrong with that is that black moms have been there. Right. The moms were there. 
when they say, when these white women are using the word moms, what they mean is white moms. And that's the problem. They could have used their voice to, going back to Ms. Crenshaw, say her name. Right. Anything not centering on you, parentheses, white person, would have been better. Chanting Breonna Taylor's name or chanting, say her name, chanting Black Lives Matter. No, they made it about themselves. Or just being in attendance and being supportive in numbers. That's it. Yeah, how about you shut up? How about you shut up? Just be the body. Look, this is how you say things and I say things. So remember (laughs) you said the other day you don't uh, have that point of empathy. I'm working. Hey, I'm in therapy. I'm working on it. (laughs) And be silent. You're over there. Shut up. Because it's bad because it's it makes my uh, it's not makes my skin crawl. It's like a whole body crawl. It's right. Like, oh no, no. To no, me, no, no. I don't. It doesn't even make my body crawl, crawl because I just look at you and I'm like, you're stupid. Because it's really it, that's a choice. Every thought I I understand. I do understand ignorance, and we're all guilty of ignorance. But certain things are a choice, and when nobody asked you, and then you show up, and then you center, and you know what censor means. So you know what it's meant. Like, you know, we're not talking to people who have no understanding of the words that we are using. They act like it. Yes, they do. What is that? What? But that is also just like, again, wear your hat. If you're a racist, then be racist and be proud of it and do your thing. Don't try to come up like, who, what? I didn't know. No. Like The moms are here. No. Why would that, my thing would have been, what is my goal in organizing this, showing up, and then chanting that? It's all about me. Right. It's all about me. I love when they take uh, selfies of themselves. That's also, I just want to, but it's horrible. Stop. Do not take a selfie. Someone asked one time if these, like, she just bought new jean shorts for her uh, first protest, Black Lives Matter protest, like, did they look cute? What? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold on, where was this? See, now that makes my skin cool because that's like, you're showing up to the event and you think it's like an event that people chose to show up at. No, actually, we're dying mm-hmm. and we really need to do this. But you're picking out an outfit. What filter should I use? Right. And then another... Ooh. <laughs> another uh, topic of conversation, like, let's take it a, a step deeper. I'm not going to say the New York Times, but it was not a black journalist or a, or a brown journalist. Multiple journalists in the media news outlets were framing the story of the women chanting the moms are here, and uh, they were linking arms. That's what it was. They were linking arms. But next time, just be quiet. Right. Just you, that's be cool. present. That's cool. Yeah. And listen. But they were saying the media was um, describing the story to anyone that would read their article as Portland moms show up for pro- da, 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 right. da, da. So there's another example of like racism. It's the media itself saying Portland moms, you are erasing black moms yes. because Portland moms did not just show right. up. Right. So Black true. moms, black women. Um, black moms in other parts of the country, but certainly there, were already there, and there wasn't the article about them. 
words. So I hope that helps in like what is intersectional feminism. Yeah. And understand that it is not something that can be answered in a one episode podcast. I think even like thinking about intersectionality, period, if it only includes you, it is problematic. Because the word itself, I mean, you don't have to know much to know that there should be other avenues and lanes crossing across one straight line. And I think that this all kind of intersects, dovetails into our book club. Yep. Going to be on Halloween, October 31st. The freaks come out at night. <laughs> We're going to cover the first two chapters. I might, that's like ambitious, but we'll see. Uh, is it really about race? Chapter one. And what is racism? Chapter two. So you have some time to get it. So you want to talk about race by Ijoma Oluho. Ijoma Oluho. Oluho. We love her name. We love this book. And she has a new book out. You know what it's called? It's like something about toxic white masculinity. I forget, we'll get the... We'll give you, yeah, we'll get the title for you. Post-edit, that's the producer. But um, in the second edition, there's in the back what's called a discussion guide that Ms. Oluho put in for the second edition. And so we wanted to take this time now to uh, read a couple excerpts from it, a couple passages, and to lay forth the groundwork for all book club meetings on yep. this show. Yeah. So. Framing. Framing it. Uh, and also, when, when we, the Halloween episode, we kind of want to, there's so much to discuss. We're very excited. And um, we, we're going to hit on this every book club episode, but this is the, the full, unabridged version called A Discussion Guide. Over the past year, I've received many emails from readers telling me how much they've enjoyed this book. So it was always with a little amusement that I would read the request that often comes with these emails. Do you have a discussion guide? She does in the second edition. Um, this is our ground rules here, too. We'll read it all, but these are some important points. The author shares uh, a story. She said, during a Q&A session, a visibly nervous woman of color stood to ask me a question. Her team at work had chosen my book for their book club, she explained. They were going to be discussing this book the next week. She asked me if I had any advice on how to get through what would likely be a very difficult and perhaps harmful discussion for her. A well-meaning group of mostly white people who get together to discuss race might very well end up insulting, exploiting, and plain old exhausting the few people of color in the room in the process. When this happens, the white people in the discussion often feel very uh, leaving, often leave feeling enlightened and unburdened, while the people of color are left feeling abused. So Ms. Oluo for the second edition of her book, published a discussion guide. And first she has, like, basic guidelines. 
One of them was be aware of who in the group is given the most space to talk and try to center the conversation around voices of color and in particular, non-male voices of color. Mm-hmm. And hopefully you have a better of understanding of why right. that's so important. Right. And that's why Ms. Crenshaw's books are an excellent starting point if you haven't read them uh, for more modern black femi- feminist thought. Uh, but Ms. Olohu continues... Do not allow racist statements or slurs against people of color. Emphasizes that when people of color finally feel safe enough to honestly talk about their experiences, nothing hurts more than to be answered with a racist reply. Right. And that's what we've been talking about this whole evening. Right. The retaliation. Feeling under attack. Don't be defensive, white people. This is your time to listen. Yep. Uh, she another one. Try to tie the discussion to issues that are happening in your group's community. Not hard to do. Right. Right. Throw a dart at the wall. Now here we go. This is centering. Do not allow white group members to treat their discomfort as harm done to them. Remember, the primary focus of this book, and therefore hopefully your discussion group is how we can talk about the systemic harm done to people of color by a white supremacist society. Even if you are reading this book, acknowledge that your discussion is a very, very small step in your efforts to tackle issues on race. That's That's, important. It is. Oh my gosh, Jinx. (laughs) Yes, that's very important. Because that, it's action. Action is what creates change. Also, that goes for, like, Instagram or, like, any type of social media. That is not the end all. Right. It's actually doing social justice. Right. And again, yeah, going back to the discussion guide, this book is meant to help you have a better conversation in the hope that you will have many of them. But it's like a starting point, the yes. foundation. And finally, for people of color in the group, please know that you have every right to know to your boundaries, your feelings, your thoughts, and your humanity in this discussion. You have the right to be heard, and your experiences are real and they matter. Please remember this, and thank you. Thank you for your generosity in joining yet another conversation on race. If you do not hear this from other members, please hear it from me. You are appreciated. Thank you.